in your worship folder, some of you already noticed the, the cover, and, and I've had a number of people look at the cover and look at me like, what? Are you nuts? It's like, you think? You know? So, in your worship folder is an outline to follow along with. There's some, some, uh, some of the verses and some things that we're actually going to do. We're starting this series, and, and I'm calling it, you think, bec- for a number of reasons. One is because it's just, it's fun to say that. The other reason is because it's about thinking. And I have to say, I was going to say, this is, this is the most important message that we have done this year so far. <laughs> For some of you here, it's actually going to be the most important message you ever hear. This is the foundation for what we're going to do for the next few weeks. Um, and we're going to talk about thinking. Because if you can change your thinking, you can change your life. This is absolutely huge. When I think of this, I think of um, uh, a good example of this is the Apostle Paul. When we think of the Apostle Paul, it's like he wrote, you know, most of the New Testament. He started all these churches. He's like super Christian, you know. He was not always like that. God spent Paul's life maturing Paul. We have this image of Paul of, you know, we read the letters in the New Testament. It's like, oh my goodness, he's so amazing. But we forget that he didn't start that way. Go back this afternoon and read Romans 7. Because the guy who wrote all those amazing things at the end, at the beginning said, oh man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I really don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. And he kept, and he went on and on talking about that. And it's like, I just don't understand. That was near the beginning. And what happened is he battled with things just like we all do. He wrestled with things. He struggled with these things in his life. It was like a war going on. But he won. And we can too. And so that's why we're doing this. This is huge um, uh, for me because it's something that I battle with. Um, And it's way better. And it's getting better. But I still battle with it. Our passage for today is going to be from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's just look at a couple verses to start out with in in 3. Verse 3 of chapter 10, it says this. For though we live in the world, we're, we're part of this world. You know, we're not supposed to be totally separate from it. We're not supposed to do those things that are bad that the world is doing. But we're in the world. He said, though we live in it, we don't wage war as the world does. That means we don't fight our battles the same way that the world does. The weapons we fight with, they're different than the ones the world fights with. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The weapons that we've been given have divine power. The word is in Greek is dunamis. It's where we get dynamite. This is like the explosive power of God is the weapon that you have to fight the battles that you need to fight. And what we do with those, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds is a word that we don't use that often. A lot of people, it's like a, one of those words that was, it was religious kind of for a while. We talk about strongholds, but here's, here's what it means. Literally, it means it's something that's fortified. It's a military stronghold. Think walled fortress, like prison. I am probably the only pastor who has somebody that a couple days before the service, I can call up and say, Jade, got any prison bars? 
I'd like to decorate with prison bars. Yeah, no problem. I got four of them. How many do you need? It's, it's amazing that, that I, ha- I am so blessed. To, we are so blessed to have that available. Um, but I, I have those up here because that's what I want us to think about. Because he's talking about you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have this explosive power of God to be able to break out of these prisons, to demolish the prisons, the fortresses, the strongholds. This fortress or prison in this passage and for this series, what he's talking about is prisoners that aren't walled up by brick and stone and rock, but they're walled up and prisoned and locked by deception. And it's no less of a prison. What does our enemy do? Our our enemy tries to shape your thinking. He does it with your friends. He does it with media. He does it with everything. He tries to shape your thinking. And here's what happened. One rock at a time, you build your own prison of lies. And you, you get trapped by that. And you have these thoughts and you have these feelings. You know, you, you can't, uh, things have been bad. I can't trust anybody. You know, I'm never going to succeed. I've just continually failed. You know, you think I'm always broke. You're telling yourself I'm never going to amount to anything. And you look at your life, God doesn't care about me. You look at the people around you and say, I can't let them know what my struggles are. Because if I did, they'd reject me. And we build this prison of lies around us. Here's the next verse, verse 5. We demolish strongholds. And every pretension, the lies, that set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is going to be the foundation for this series. We're going to talk about some practical things on how to do this over the next three or four weeks. But... This is, this is the foundation that I really want you to get because here's the truth. For better or worse, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. That's the truth. So here's the thought to keep in mind. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And you say, yeah, where does that come from? That comes from Proverbs 23, 7. It says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's where it comes from. It comes from those thoughts. Because here's the truth. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you believe that through Jesus you can, then you probably will. If you dwell on your problems, they will overwhelm you. But if you spend your thought life thinking of solutions, you'll probably see some. If you go through life feeling like a victim, and that's what you're thinking about all the time, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become one. If you believe that you can overcome through Jesus, you can. Because most of life's battles, hear this, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's where it happens. The mind, our mind is, it's just a battlefield. 
you know, God is trying to get his truth to you. But the enemy is trying to get you to think about and believe the lies about you. And it's constant, constant battlefield. Just to kind of to, to get you thinking about that, in your worship folder, I have something we've called a thought audit. And you don't have to tell me what you've been thinking about, but I want you to listen to God, and I want you to decide for yourself, what have I been thinking about the last week? Because if my battles are won or lost in the mind, what have I been thinking about? So this is what you have on your outline, and you have something on one side and something on the other and a one through ten. And all I want you to do is think of where you're at, because you can be on the worried side. That's what you've been thinking about the last week. You know, what are they going to think? What's, what's, what's my future going to be like? Am I going to have enough money for everything? You can live on that side of thing. Or the other side is, I'm secure in God's promises. I do what I can, and I trust God to take care of what I can't, and I have a life that is full of peace. Somewhere between there is where you were at this week, not based on what you want to be, but based on how you thought. So I want you to mark that, 1 through 10. Where did you think on that? Um, the next one is, is negative. If you were negative, if most of your thoughts were negative, maybe, maybe, maybe you hang around critical people too much. They're always complaining and criticizing everything, finding fault in everything. Maybe, maybe your life is reflecting that, and you're just discontented with everything. And you're leaning on that negative side of thing, then you're closer to the negative side with a one, two, three. But maybe you're on the other side, and you see things as more positive. That you know that things aren't perfect, but you're going to believe the best about people. And regardless of what's going on, you can still see that life is good. And you're optimistic. You were somewhere between that in terms of your thinking just in the last seven days. Where were you in that? Maybe the, the last category there, the, the, the worldly thing, it's um, how much were you, was your mind consumed or concerned with things of this life? Now, do we have to think about things of this life? Well, yeah, but were you consumed by that? Were you thinking way too much about material possession stuff? About whether or not people liked you? About things of this world? Or were you focused on more of things that will make an eternal difference? You know, you've, you've been given things. Have you given things? Have you given gifts to people? Have you helped to reach people? Do you see your job as a calling? Because where God placed you, he placed you with your unique gifts in that place, not just for you to do that job to the best of your ability, but to be able to reach people because you have an eternal message. Where was your thought life in the last week on those things? Because if you were honest and you, and you really marked those things honestly and you looked at, here's what I thought about the last week. Here's what's scary, people. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if your thoughts were on the wrong end of that, that's the direction your life is moving. Because what comes into your mind comes out in your life. Because when you think critical thoughts, you think, this isn't going to hurt me, they're wrong, I'm just thinking these critical thoughts, here's what happens. You will get a critical spirit. And the more you do it, the worse it will be. 
if you believe this day that you're going through is going to be too tough because of the things that are going on, and that's what you're thinking about is going to be too hard, you know what? You're probably going to be right. It's going to be too hard. If you've, hurt by, if you've been hurt by people, we've all been hurt by people, and if you focus on that and believe that I can't trust anybody, you know what's going to happen? You are not likely going to have any real intimacy because you're going to live there. And that's going to become who you are. But if, if you have faith, if you start to believe the positive things and say the positive things, you're going to say, I know that there's bad going on, but I can see good in it. I can see God working in that. If you believe that you can make a difference in your sphere of influence, it's likely that you will, if that's what you're thinking. When you believe the best about others you're probably going to have more friends and closer relationships because our, our, our life moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Because the truth is, no matter, it does not matter what you do, what you have, who you know, what you buy, where you live, where you travel, you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. It doesn't matter how much money you have, where you go, what you do. You cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So let me ask you this. Thinking about what you've been thinking about, are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Does it seem like that's the right direction to you? I would be the first to say, I'm not fully where I need to be yet. This is something I've struggled with my whole life. And it's something that we have to realize we have divine power to demolish these strongholds. How do we do that? How can we break out of that so our life can move in the right direction and we can do and be what we need to do and what we need to be? Two things, very simple today, foundational. Here's the first one. Identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. You have to come up with it and think. And identify what's the thing, what's the stronghold that's got me locked up as a prisoner by deception. That's keeping me from doing what I should do that I realize if I do a thought audit, that one's always going to come up. I don't know what it is for you. It can be a hundred different things. I'm not good enough. You know, maybe you're thinking, my, my past is too bad. I've done too much. There's been too many bad things happen. Maybe it's just, I can't trust anybody because of what's happened to me. And you know that's where you struggle with the most. Or, I'll never get ahead. I'm always taking one step forward and two step backwards. Or you're thinking, I really want to be close to God, but I'm not close to God. I can't be close to God. And that's where your mind always goes. Maybe it's, I will never have the job that I love. And you focus on that so much that it ruins every experience that you have with any job. Maybe you know that you're just too busy. And all you tell yourself is, I just have too much to do. I have too much to do. And that's how you live your life. Maybe you keep telling yourself, my marriage isn't good and I'm always going to have a bad marriage. Over and over and over. I don't know what it is for you, but what is the number one stronghold, the number one lie that's holding you back? You might say, I have a whole bunch of them. I just want you to pick one. 
I want you to think about one of those things. When you have, here's, here's, here's why this is important. When you have negative thoughts, whatever that thing is for you, when you have those negative thoughts, you are, they've just discovered this in the last like few decades. You are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Physically, you are changing your brain when you have these negative thoughts. They used to think it was set. Nothing happened after you know, a certain age. And they know now that that's not true. It's, they call it elasticity. The brain can change. And one of the things that happens is every single thought that you have creates a neurochemical change in your body. You don't think about that. You're just thinking about the thing you're thinking about. But it's making this change in your body. And when it's positive thoughts... When you're living a life of gratitude, you're having positive thoughts, there is this surge in your brain. You don't have control over it. It just happens. A surge of of rewarding neurotransmitters. It's called dopamine. Some of you are thinking, did he just say dope? (laughs) Dopamine. Okay? But you know what that is? That's like the body's legal reward. You know? It's It's like a positive hit. Literally... It's a chemical buzz, and it's a good thing. It's a reward for that behavior, and you know that feeling. You know what things you think about that trigger that feeling. It's, it's beautiful outside. It's Minnesota, lovely weather. You, know, you think, you know. Um, I still have my Harley boots and my Harley shirt on, and here's what I know. When I think about the warm breeze on my back, and the sun out, and being on the bike and riding, you know what that does to me? That's dope. That's dopamine. That makes me feel good. It changes what I feel. I'm going to embarrass Julie. I get a call from Julie. You know, I'm at work. She's at home. She says, you know, I'm thinking about you. Come home. Dopamine. (laughs) It changes how I think. And it changes how I feel because that happens. I don't have control over it. I don't say, I think I'm going to release some dopamine now and feel good. It doesn't happen that way. But when I think those positive things, that happens. Did you know that it happens the same in a negative way? If you're always thinking of the worst case, if you're always, yeah, uh uh-oh, you're always thinking about the worst case. You're You're always worrying. fear is your biggest thing the same thing is happening but it's not a good feeling because here's what you're doing you are creating neural pathways with the positive or with the negative you don't have control over it it happens it's the way we're made there are billions of these pathways these roads in your brain so here's what happens If you are always thinking, this is going to be a tough day, pathway, you're making a pathway. Every time you think that, you're strengthening it. You're clearing that pathway off a little bit more. If you're thinking, you know, I've always battled weight, my family does, you know, it's just a big thing. You're creating a pathway. You're thinking that. For me, the pathway would be from the, from the bad feeling to the refrigerator. That's where the pathway is. But you're creating these bad pathways. Every time we think those things. You think it doesn't matter. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. Your brain knows. 
And it's creating these pathways. And here's the thing. Our thoughts are lazy. They will always take the path of least resistance. So if you've made all of these pathways from all of your negative stuff, that's the default and that's the way your brain's always going to go. You know, just think of the deer walking down the path. He treads it off. All of a sudden, there's, there's, after a while, there's no grass there. And you can see, here's where he goes. From here down to the river, that's the path that he takes. And around hunting season, that usually doesn't end well for him. So think about that. We take the easiest pathway. Here's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is the wrong mindset. It's a path that goes in the wrong direction. And the only person we can blame that on is us because we're the one who have been thinking. We're the one who have been listening to lies. And we've created these pathways and our brain just goes down there. We've created these unhealthy, unhelpful neural pathways. So here's what we need to do. We need to change our thinking. We need to create new pathways in our brain. So I'm too old for that. You are never too old for that. Every time you do that, the same thing happens and you can create these new pathways. And here's what you do. You change. For instance, some people, they struggle with a certain thing and whenever they're like lonely or angry or bored or depending on what the trigger is for them, what they've done for years is they've looked at porn. And they think that's, they don't even think about it. It just happens because they've created this neural pathway. You need to create a new one. And when you're lonely or you're angry or you're bored, you need to come up with something new. Call a friend. Have somebody that you can call every time for that. And every time you do that, you create a new pathway because you're thinking about that now. Maybe you, feel, you have these uh, self-image issues and you feel really bad about yourself. And every time you feel bad about yourself, cake and ice cream. That makes me feel better about myself. And it does for a few seconds. Be, you know why? Dopamine, well, plus cake and ice cream, <laughs> makes you feel better about yourself. But very shortly after that, you don't feel better about yourself anymore. Because you know that it's a self-defeating behavior and it's the wrong direction, but you just do it. Why? Because you've created an easy pathway. So what you need to do is say, every time I start to feel bad about myself, I have to change what I do. I don't go get ice cream. I don't go get cake. When I start feeling bad about myself, I go for a walk. You know, I, I do some kind of a workout thing. I do something. I call somebody and do something with somebody. And I change that. And it doesn't happen overnight. But the more you change that pathway, the easier it will be for you to go down the right one. Some of you struggle with, you get bored. And so when you get bored, you don't know what to do. And so you, the first thing you will do when you get bored is you will take this out. Not mine, yours. You'll take your phone out and you'll start scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. Is Facebook or Instagram bad? No. Can it be? Yes. And people do that and they waste hours of the day. Maybe what you need to do is when you're bored and you open it and you're getting ready to spend two hours scrolling through Facebook, open the Bible app. Read a couple verses. Because you think that's not a big deal. You know what you're doing? You're changing the neural pathways. You're changing how you think about stuff and you're thinking in a different way. You're literally forging a new path in your brain. And the more you walk the path, the easier it becomes to travel. The more you stay off that old path, the more it becomes grown over. 
the weaker it becomes to have control over you. Now, here's what I know. Some of you here listening to this right now, for those of you who have um, negative issues and you have a critical spirit and you've made a lot of critical pathways, I know what you're thinking right now. You're judging me. You're saying, that's not God. That's science. We didn't come here for a science lesson, Tim. Can I remind you of Romans 12.2? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I could translate that and say, do not continue to walk down the pathways of this world that you have created by the way you think. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Science calls it rewiring your brain. God called it 2,000 years ago, renewing your mind. He knew it because he made our minds. He knew they could be rewired. He knew they could be renewed by doing the right things. So, what I want you to do is I want you to identify that one stronghold that's holding you back. You might think of a million of them, but I don't know what yours is, but just think of one. Come up with one of those things that you know you're struggling with that's making the wrong pathways in your brain, and I don't know what it is for you. I know for a lot of people, it's nobody loves me. I'm just not lovable. And they say that to themselves over and over again. I'm not worth it. Never, never going to be good enough. You know, because of my past, I don't really deserve anything good. God can't use me. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I'm just stuck with the life that I have. And people are always depressed. Maybe, you're, maybe yours is a financial thing and you're saying, you know what, I am always just going to be broke. There's the have and the have-nots. I'm a not. And that's how it's going to work for me. And what happens is we begin to feel the helplessness and the hopelessness and the worthlessness and the pointlessness of things. And so then it makes it easier to make bad decisions and create new bad pathways and it snowballs. So I want you to identify a stronghold. Some deceptive thought that's holding you back, I want you to name it. Because you can't defeat what you can't define. Name it. Say it. This is what I struggle with. This is the negative thing. And number two, then name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Because it's a lie that you're believing. Now you say, but there's truth in it. There's always a little bit of truth in every lie. That's why we get sucked in. That's how the enemy does it. What we're going to do is say, this is a lie. He's trying to get me to believe this. I'm creating the wrong pathways in my life. I'm wearing down the wrong things and making it real easy to go that route. I'm going to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Let me illustrate it like this. When I was in Bible college, I had a professor, Professor Hess was his name. He was our psychology professor. And um, he, was, he was a cool guy. We used to go over his house and you know, hang out and stuff. And he had a nice house with a great big backyard. And in the back of his yard, he had this incredible garden. He was a gardener. He did you know, vegetables and flowers and stuff. And it was very cool. Um, and he had a big dog. We all liked his dog. His dog was a lot of fun. And the dog knew that it could go anywhere in the backyard except the garden. And he knew that. 
And so whenever the dog would disobey and go in the garden, he had one of those, um, those leash things that went from here like out to this post and, the dog, and there was a leash on it. He'd clip the dog on it and the dog could still run a little bit, but not very far. And the dog, it was so funny, the dog hated that leash. And so the dog would get in the garden, put it on the leash, and the dog physically would get... You've seen depressed dogs. It was a depressed dog. We came over his house one day, come up and looking out the back window, and I say, oh, I see your dog is in the garden again. He says, no, no, why? We look out there, and the dog is laying in the yard. He's got this, this big dog, a big mopey face. Had, we watched him for 20 minutes, never moved, just moping there. You know why? He had been walking, and he walked under the leash, and the leash went over the back of his neck. He thought he was tied up. He laid there for like an hour, depressed, because he thought he was chained up. And I'm sure in his little dog head, he's thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I chained up? He wasn't. He was free. He just didn't know it. You know what I know? I know some of you. You're tied up, but not really. You're locked in prison And the only lock on the door is a lie. But yet there you are. Let's look at our text again. In 2 Corinthians 10 it says this. For we live in the world, even though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. We don't fight our battles the same way the world does. The weapons we fight with, and you, you think of the weapons we fight with, you think of the, the, the armor of God, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We have these weapons that the world doesn't have. He says, the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have this divine power, this dunamis, this explosive power to demolish these strongholds, to demolish the prisons we find ourselves in that are just lies. And verse 5, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, every lie, everything that's not true, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love that, take captive. I love that word. It's actually, it's a Greek word and it's a war term. And what it means is it means you capture with the sword or the spear with your weapon, you capture something. It's a war term. And here's what he's telling us to do. Those thoughts that you're not supposed to be having that are taking you the wrong direction, that are lies that are keeping you in that stronghold, capture them. And it's funny that it's capturing with the sword because when we think about the weapons and we think about what Christians have to battle with and we think about the armor of God, all of the, all of the things that Paul lists when he talks about that armor of God, those are all defensive weapons. We have the helmet of salvation to protect our minds. We have the breastplate of righteousness to protect our lives. We have these things. There's only one offensive weapon, and you know what it is? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon. It's the Word. He's telling us to capture every one of those thoughts with the truth of the Word of God. We can't do it on our own because we don't fight with the world's weapons. Those problems that you have, those thoughts that you have, we capture every thought with the Word of God. Here's just a real practical thing for some of you. 
you get up, the first thing you do is you turn on a TV. You watch the news. Maybe the first thing you do is, you know, you, you get newspaper. <laughs> you read the news. Maybe you're reading it on your computer. Maybe the first thing you do when you get up is you look at social media. You probably don't see a lot of good news there. You probably don't see a lot of things that are going to get you started off thinking the right direction. What you need to do is the first thing you do when you get up is you look at the good news. Because the Word of God is where the truth is that we're going to be able to combat those lies that lead us in the wrong direction. To help you with that, we did this a number of years ago. Some people have done it every year since that. In the back, um, I'll put this online too, we have this little thing. This is the best New Testament reading plan I've ever seen bar none. I absolutely love it, and here's why. You can read through the entire New Testament in a year. And you read a chapter a day, and there's a little check thing. You can check thing off, and it does it by weeks. And so there's 52 weeks, and here's the, cool, here's the part I love the most about it. How many days are in a week? Seven. When you look at this, there's five. Because we know that there are going to be days that are going to be really hard. And you come to Saturday or you come to Sunday or you come to that difficult day and you're in a reading plan that you're reading a whole bunch and all of a sudden you're behind and you get discouraged and you quit. There's five days here. So this, you say, I'm already behind. It's January 5th. You know how easy this would be to catch up? And it really doesn't matter because it doesn't say January. It says week one. Whenever you start it, it's week one. All right? And you read Matthew 1, then you check it off. You ask God before you read it, show me something from this. I want my life changed and I want the truth of God's word in my life. You could go through the whole New Testament in a year. You can catch up if you need to when you get a little behind because you're only doing five out of the seven days. So if you don't have a reading plan, these are on the back. Grab one if we need it. Need to make more, we'll make more. The other thing you can do is, um, depending on which app you use, um, most Bible apps have reading plans. Like the YouVersion Bible app has like thousands of different reading plans that you can read through different things. Some of them are months long, some of them are just days long. But you start your day with the Word because that's how we take those thoughts captive with the truth of God's Word. And you'll never do that if the truth of God's Word is not in here. Here's what I know. I want you all to come to church on Sunday. It's not enough. You can't come to church one day a week and expect to be able to battle an enemy that's going to be putting those thoughts in your head all week. So, I'll just tell you, I struggle with this just like everybody else does. The whole thought thing. I can tell you, if somebody asks me, what's your number one thought? I know it just like that. I know it because I've struggled with it in one form or another since I was a child. The number one negative thing that I have struggled with, and it's way better now than it was then, but I grew up hearing, you are not enough. You're not like your older brother. You're not like your younger brother. You're not like this. You're not enough. And it didn't matter what I did. There was always something I could have, should have, would have done better. And that created pathways that were well-worn for years. And I've had to combat that with the truth. And God's truth can get me where I need to go. And we're actually going to look over the next few weeks at some things that you can do that will help with those 
pathways that you have, like maybe like mine, that are like really too well worn? What can you do when you find yourself, oh, I'm back on that pathway again? What can I do to rewire things? Because I know what it is to struggle with those thoughts. I'm not saying I know what it is to struggle with your thoughts. I just know what it is to struggle with mine. And I know we all have that. So we, we name that struggle. But then we name the truth that demolishes it. Here's where I go. Second Peter 1, verse 3. I love this passage. It says this. His divine power has given us. And I tell you, every time I read this verse, I read it differently. I personalize it. I say, His divine power has given me everything, not just some of the stuff, everything I need for a godly life. It's there. It's not in me, it's in Him. And His divine power has given me everything I need for a godly life. So what we need to do is figure out what the issue, what one of the main issues is, and then what is the truth that knocks that stronghold down, that breaks us free from that prison. I can't get everything done. And the more we say that, the more we create that pathway. How about if we change the narrative and say, you know what, I can't do everything, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I know that when I am weak, he is strong. And if that's what we say to ourselves all the time, that's the truth of God's Word. And God's Word can change those pathways and renew our mind. There are many people who, they go online and they look at Pinterest stuff, you know. I used to go on Pinterest. Doesn't that sound stupid? I used to go on Pinterest. You know why? Because they had Harleys and old Volkswagens. And all of a sudden, I don't know what they did. They changed something. And all of a sudden, I wasn't seeing as many Harleys and old Volkswagens. I was seeing other things that didn't make me feel good. I'd see somebody build this incredible thing in their backyard. And it's like, yeah, I know what it would look like if I built that. Not happening. Here's what I know. There's an awful lot of people who think, I'm not a good mom. Why do they think that? Because of what they've seen on Pinterest. They've listened to the wrong truth. I saw so-and-so post on Facebook, they're an amazing thing and I will never be like that. And they're listening to the wrong thing. How about, instead of thinking about that all the time, they change the narrative and think of the truth that gets them free from that prison and says, Christ in me is more than enough. I don't have to be like so-and-so. I shouldn't be comparing myself because Christ in me is enough. For me to accomplish what he wants. His power is everything I need for a godly life. There are people who live their life scared to death of the future. And that's what they're thinking about all the time. Change the narrative. We need to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Worry is not my master. And the first hundred times you say that, you're thinking, I just lied. Because it is. But according to God's word, it's not. And when you say those things, worry is not my master. I will have faith in God. I don't have to worry about the future because he said he will never leave me. You say that enough times and you will start to create new paths. And remember, our, our, our thoughts are lazy. They go down the easiest path. So let's make the path that's easy the right one. So that we're saying the right things. You know, I know a lot of people struggle with, you know, I'm just not attractive. I've never struggled with that. (laughs) 
How many times have we looked in the mirror? I don't like what I see. You know? How about instead of saying that to ourselves every time we walk by the mirror, we say this. I know that there are things in my life, health-wise, that I need to change. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not an excuse for me to live a bad lifestyle. That's not an excuse for me to do the wrong thing. But I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I can have the power to make the right choices. And we change the way we think. Do you realize when Jesus came, he told us why he came. He said, I have come to bring good news to the poor. I have come to, uh, to, to bind up, to, to help, to heal the brokenhearted. I have come, remember what he said at the end of that, to set the prisoner free. I'll bet you can complete this Bible verse. I'll, I memorized it, old school translation. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall... That's the truth from God's word. So what I want for you is I want you to be able to open the door and be free and realize that what's holding you back are lies. They're strongholds that you think are solid cement rock prisons that you'll never get out of and the truth is they're just lies. And we can, through the truth of God's word, we can be free. I'd like you to bow your heads as we get ready to to pray I know that there's so many things that so many people struggle with. But I know that if you change your thinking, you can change your life. And I know that because the Bible says it. It's not about, it's not science. God is God. Science is just discovering what he's already known and created. I know that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And I know that we need to be able to change that because the battles are won or lost in our mind. So, Father, I know that there's people here, they know you. They've already crossed that line from unbelief to belief. They believe that that you sent Jesus, that he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross to pay the price for sin because the wages of sin is death. But he didn't pay for his own because he had no sin. He paid for ours. And that by believing that, by believing that you sent him, by believing that he died, he was buried, he rose again for us. And by receiving him as our personal savior, we can have that relationship with him. We can be right before you. We can begin that process of having our mind renewed and changed. And we can see the positive things happen in our life, even in the midst of difficult times. Father, for everybody who's already stepped across that line, my prayer is that you would help us to be able to, with the truth of your word, take those thoughts captive that we would not be uh, critical people, that we would not be negative people, that we would not be people who would turn others away from the gospel, but because of the way we allow you to renew our minds, that we would attract people to you. That we would be able to be free from those strongholds, those prisons of lies that, that some have struggled with for years. And Father, for anybody who's never accepted and received Jesus as their Savior... We know that the the truth that sets us free is Jesus. When he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that anybody listening to this today that has not turned their life over to you and committed to you would say that, I don't understand this all, but I believe that you died for me, Jesus, and I want to receive you as my Savior. 
I want, I want to get into heaven on your ticket. I want that explosive power that enables me to take those thoughts captive. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here in us and through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Science is just now discovering this. God has known it forever. Thousands of years ago, he wrote. There's actually, for those of you who, who lean toward the negative thing, um, the depression, you know, you're always lamenting. There's actually a whole book called Lamentations. <laughs> but you know what? There's this jewel in the middle of it that's amazing. Here's what Lamentations 3, 19 to 21 says. I remember my affliction and my wandering. And that's where some of you stop. Yep. Yep. The bitterness and the gall. I remember well and my soul is downcast within me. And that's where you stop. You need to go to the next verse. Verse 21. Yet, this I call to mind. What does that mean? I'm thinking about this. This I call to mind, and therefore, because I've thought about the right thing, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. He's been telling us that for a long time. It's time we start listening. It's time we start naming that thing that we're thinking that's holding us back, that's keeping us in prison, and then naming the truth that can demolish that stronghold and create some new pathways to follow. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us a way to get out of the pit that we're in, to get out of the prison that we're in. And for those, Father, who have never made it out of the first prison, they don't know you. They're still stuck. That today would be the day in simple faith they turn to you and say, Jesus, I don't understand all this, but I'm giving as much as I understand of myself to as much as I understand of you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and I'm receiving you as Savior. And for those who have stepped across that line, I pray, Father, that we would be able to be this year, this new year, this new decade, in your word enough to be able to combat those lies with the truth of your word. Thank you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.